0: is not a fight for one person or one individual or one region, it is for everybody. So we need to get to that point where we are trusting each other for us to actually get to fight when it comes to
1: climate change. Welcome to the Renew Our World podcast. Renew Our World is a global movement of Christians who believe that since we are truly image bearers of God, we should act like it, living out love for one another in actions and in truth. Since we are image bearers of God, we won't stand by while our neighbors are trapped in poverty and we won't stay idle as creation is left untended and inequality is left to fester. In this podcast, we're going to go on a journey together of discovering a theology of creation care. We'll be discussing the latest in climate news, chatting with industry leaders, theologians and practitioners and hearing from some of our incredible partners who are working on the ground. Join us this season as we learn about creation care and what we can do in our own lives to play part in a much bigger restorative story.
2: So hi guys and welcome to the uh, next episode of the Renewal World podcast with myself, uh, David coming with you, coming to you today from, from slightly overcast Belfast, even though we've had a bit of a, a heat wave the last couple of days in the in the UK. Uh, we're back to sort of normal, overcast, cool temperatures as we record this podcast. And uh, I'm really delighted to have with me today a young climate activist from Zambia called Jessica Buwali. And we're going to be chatting to Jessica today a little bit about what it's like being a climate activist in Zambia and also chatting a little bit about the Commonwealth meeting that happened back in June in Kigali in Rwanda. And Jessica was at that event and um, she's going to give us some of her, her experiences from that event. What was it like, again, as a, a young climate activist talking to uh, these policymakers in these in these spaces and um, yeah, raising that voice of young people demanding climate action. But yeah, Jessica, you're very welcome to the Run Your World podcast today. How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thank you, David. And thank you so much for having me.
2: Yeah, of course. We're really excited to have you. And uh, yeah, Jessica, maybe if you, you'd like to introduce yourself, you know, who are you and and what do you do?
0: Okay, thank you so much, David. And um, hi to everybody that's listening in. Uh, you know, we're listening from different parts of the world. So hi to you. Um, Jessica Wali, I'm from Zambia. I'm a journalist by profession and also a certified climate activist. I have... Uh, been in the media for quite some time now. I've worked in radio and also TV and also in print. I've written uh, most of the things online and also uh, with uh, some newspapers. And I have been a climate activist from, I should say, 2019, somewhere there. That's when I actually got like really serious about uh, climate activism and uh, until now. So I have worked with a number of people, a number of organizations, a number of um, media houses in terms of uh, climate activism and I've also had a chance to just work with a lot of uh, young activists like from all over the world, around the world which has really been an amazing uh, experience. It's so amazing to just get to hear different stories when it comes to climate change like from people from different parts of the world. So um, I'm very passionate about climate activism simply because I think I come from a place where for me to even call myself a climate activist today is because I feel I have an idea of what climate change can do uh, in terms of Mm, it. So yeah, that's why I'm really passionate about climate change. Uh, activism and also to just see how best I can personally um, contribute um, and also how personally I can help other people just get to be on board and get to be aware to start with actually. So in, in a that nutshell, uh, that's basically me, a very passionate climate activist and passionate journalist actually. yeah great. Uh, great. Yeah, yes.
2: Yeah, that's great, Jessica. And I guess... That brings me on to a question I was going to ask you about your own lived experience as of climate change and uh, you've, you've touched on it there and it sounds like that was a big motivating factor for you maybe back in 2019 to get involved in climate activism. But yeah. So what's, what sort of changes have you seen in, in Zambia and how is it, how has it been uh, affecting your, your life?
0: Okay. Thank you so much, David. To start with me even getting to where I am today, um, 2019 in Zambia, for those people that I know a lot of us, uh, we have, we can remember very well because I think that was the first time um, that the whole nation felt the impact of having power cuts like frequently. And when I talk about power cuts, very uh, uh, long power cuts. It was called, um, they were calling it load management uh, simply because, and some would actually quite load shedding, simply because they tried so hard to share the lead to uh, power, the nation that was holding on to. Uh, so it came about um, that in Zambia we use hydro for electricity. We have a, a dam called Kariba Dam. So in 2019, Kariba Dam was at its lowest in terms of mm-hmm. water level. And that happened because the country was so hot. So it was so hot we didn't have a lot of rainfall and the water, the, the water that's managing the Kariba Dam is actually, uh, it's rainwater. So you can imagine uh, that around that time we actually didn't have like a lot of rainfall and that affected the the dam. The water levels went really, really down. So they had to shut down some of the machines because they couldn't run where there's no water to just avoid uh, to get them damaged. So what that meant was that the power um, uh, supply had to be reduced. So the whole nation had to share the power. So we would actually go for, let's say, six hours of no power of let's say we can say this place in the afternoon they have power for like six hours it will mean that after that six hours they're going to close and then it will mean that maybe the whole night they won't have power in other places they would have power in the night and the other places during the afternoon they actually won't have power and that affected a lot of small businesses because personally also i'm i'm i'm, I'm a, a small business owner and around that time first of all we're looking at there's a high level of unemployment in the country for young people so Mm -hmm. the young people be innovative some get to open saloons they get to open barbershops and restaurants and we are using power and imagine you don't have other sources of power or even a backup because if we say let's use a genset it will mean that you have to spend more so this is here's a young person trying to make a living and that's Living is affected because we need power for literally everything, and sure. they can't go further to go and add a backup power, uh, maybe a genset or a solar panel because it's more expensive. So it, it became that period. I think so. A lot of people just shut down their their companies. Especially those that are small, uh, were small business owners. They had to shut down. They had no, uh, no, no, no backup. It was, it was diff- It was a very trying moment. It was really difficult. And around that time, I was not even. Right now, I'm, I'm in the capital. Mostly stayed in the capital of Zambia, which is Lusaka. And at that time, I was not in the capital. I was in the northwestern part. That's where I was staying. And that it was really, really hard because me being in that part of the of the country didn't even make it even easier for me. So when I saw all those things happening, I I I I think that's the time it hit me. I was like, I've never experienced this in my whole life. I've stayed in Zambia literally all my life and I've not experienced this. And I started asking questions, but then I was I was hosting a radio show. I was mm-hmm. uh with one of the radio stations in I was in a place called Solozi. And I was hosting a radio show on Solozy Radio. And I started asking questions because I'm like, cause when I'm on radio, because you know how it is, like when you're on radio, people assume you know everything. And somebody just randomly call you like, Why are we not having power? Why are we having power cuts? So a lot of people were making it political, like, oh, maybe are we being cut off because maybe we're supporting who and who, you know. So it became it was a bit chaotic. People mm-hmm. needed answers and they didn't have those answers. And trust me, David, around that time those i was hearing to none of issues to do with climate change funny enough that was actually the reason why we were going through all that but you could sure. hear all, nothing about climate change which meant that people were really not abreast to the fact that all everything that was happening was because of climate change like the part of the country where i was at that time and mm. i said questions, I started doing a little bit of research. So when I'm radio, I'm on radio, somebody randomly just gives a call and says, Oh, we have not had power since last night. What's happening? Can you call the, the, the authorities? What's going on? And I started calling. I started making those calls actually. And to start with, first of all, for me it was I, I was I was looking for, for news items. I was like, I need a new story. But Mm -hmm. when I realized that this is beyond news story, I'm going to read the news story, people will listen, but still they won't understand what's next. So I decided to start incorporating all that I was dating for news story in my show, in my breakfast show. So yeah, yeah, from that point, I just thought, you know what, let me just get to learn more about this. Let me get to read more about climate change. And luckily I got to find myself in um, places where people are actually talking about climate change. I started learning more and I started getting to, you know, to faith that just get to bring that information back to my community, back to people and make people understand. So when that period went, the 2019 period, the load shedding, load management period, it messed up a lot of things, a lot of businesses. People just went, it was bad, depression and everything. So when that period just moved, went on, I was like, I won't stop. Let me just continue. So I continued. Yeah. yeah learning. So uh, this is me looking at climate change on a very personal label and that's yeah. why pos- would you would you
2: say that like lots of people in Zambia are interested in climate change like so for example in a UK context or US context or Australian context where we have some listeners people might be used to like the climate strikes Greta Thunberg um the sort of uh, extinction rebellion you have in the UK where they're sort of raising people's consciousness of climate action and that kind of stuff what's that context like in Zambia like would you find as someone who's interested in this area, are you in a minority in Zambia or is there a growing, a growing sense of momentum behind it?
0: A growing sense of momentum, I could say yes. I wouldn't say people ain't interested, but it's just the availability of people getting that information because mm-hmm. you can imagine for uh me it took me i don't know how many years until 2019 which is really recent for me to actually really be aware like so aware it's not like i didn't understand i knew probably I would notice things here and there and i believe that's also the same issue with other people and worse more i should say the people in the rural setups they're the ones that because these are people that are literally uh um are surviving on farming Okay, Mm -hmm. And these are people that have been noticing changes like for the past years. They're noticing how the rains are either coming in late or coming in early or having really, really short rainfall period. Maybe the heat is just too much. They are noticing all those things because these are not things that they, they have experienced for like some years back, some 10 years back. This is what they were not experiencing. So they may not really even understand to say, oh, this is actually due to climate change. And they may not even understand to say, oh, how do we go about it? What do we do? But if that information was available to them at depth, like really do understand, I believe definitely we can get that momentum, keep on growing, and all oh. and to me, I, I think what really strikes me the most is the most is that the people that are affected the most, especially the people like in the rural setups, they're the ones that may not have the full information.
1: Mm-hmm. Because
0: these are people that would Wait for the um, the rainfall. We're talking about the we're waiting for the rainfall to actually grow their crops. So it means if that does not happen, then what are they going to eat? What will happen? What will happen to uh, uh, their livelihoods? What will happen to their health? What will happen? So it's, there's a lot involved, you know. Yeah. So. That's the situation of really people getting to have that full information. Now, the question comes in, how do they actually get to do that? How do they get to get that information? Mm -hmm. And also, David, I should actually make mention to say, as easy as it sounds when I'm actually speaking, sometimes it may be that even though that information was to be taken to them, you don't know how it may be received. You don't know, maybe some people may just... They may think of other things. Oh, maybe it's because of this. That's why we're not having this rainfall like we used to. Mm -hmm. You know, something... There may be even some superstitions that maybe are attached to that with whatever they're thinking. So it's also... Yeah, it's something that maybe I feel... That has to be inculcated in this generation now, the young people that are growing now, because sometimes it's really, really hard to get to that point whereby I go to a person who's lived for, uh, let's say, hundred years, and I go and tell mm-hmm. them to say, uh, the reason why you've not been having rain for like the way you used to for the past five years is because of climate change. I mean, how are they going to even uh, like just understand all that? So mm-hmm. I think uh, now it's just the issue of the young people this generation growing up now getting that information so that it can be helpful as they are growing
2: yeah 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 i guess moving us in a slightly different direction but somewhat related is uh the the commonwealth meeting that happened back in in june and so maybe for for people that don't know about it it's a meeting that happens with the the heads of state who are involved in the the commonwealth uh i guess you can call it maybe a network it's Let's be blunt about it. It's a hangover from British colonialism. It's sort of uh, the Commonwealth of, of British nations and or nations that have been involved in, in um, or somewhat attached to the, the British Empire over the last uh, couple of hundred years. Um, Rwanda is unique in that it, it wasn't actually a British colony, but has has joined the Commonwealth and uh, has hosted uh, this meeting and it's been I guess it's a really good event for a lot of diplomacy to happen and uh, relational diplomacy I think between different different countries who are, who are part of the network. Um, yeah could you tell people a little bit about that event you know sort of bit of background on the on the event as well?
0: Yeah uh, thank you so much David and thank you for just highlighting uh, um, what you've actually highlighted on, on Chogam which is uh the Commonwealth of Heads of States uh, meeting, which was recently held in in Rwanda. So this meeting, like you've just explained, this is where the Commonwealth. Uh, uh, governments get to meet, and it's rotational, actually. So this time around, it was in, in, in held in Rwanda, and this is a place where we saw a lot of heads of state or their, representation, their representatives from different uh, uh, member countries get to meet uh, to just uh, reaffirm or just make new policies um, for the benefit of their citizens to just make sure to, g- to come to that understanding. So this was uh, one of um, the meetings that was held uh, in Rwanda. And uh, I was lucky enough to be part of the people that attended uh, um, the Commonwealth heads of government meeting. Um, and I was with uh, some climate activists from different parts uh, of the uh, continent that were brought together by TFN to just uh, go and push an agenda of climate finance. So we had uh, a representation from Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Kenya, Malawi, and Uganda. And these are when these are like. Dotted all around the, the the continent, which is good representation. So uh, at uh, Chogam, the 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 Commonwealth meeting uh, in Rwanda, this is a place that we tried to just uh, um, push our agenda of climate finance. To the uh, policymakers, and also we wanted to take advantage of the media to just spread our our agenda and make sure that people um, get to know exactly what we're doing. And when we talk about climate finance, this is just us uh, reminding um, you know the the nations that signed up to the one hundred billion dollars uh, to help the um, I don't know the word I can use the vulnerable uh, or the most... Yeah, I
2: guess the technical policy term would be like adaption. So uh, money that would come from developed countries to developing countries to help them adapt to climate change. That's that's the sort of technical phrasing, I guess, around climate finance. Climate finance is used as as an offhand term that maybe policy uh, experts or policy wonks might know about. But I guess to me and you, yeah, it's money to help countries adapt to climate. You know, so for example... Um, if there's going to be more drought periods that money might would hopefully be used for irrigation systems for farmers things like that that's that's kind of uh, adapting to the to the changing climate around us
0: exactly and and you know one thing david that i have always um something that Strikes me the most when you come when you talk about the the one hundred billion dollars. This is when you talk about the the developed countries coming together and signing up to this, and failing to honor it. To me, it has really been something that I have. I don't know the reasons, but I've, I, I'm I'm like thinking like this is an agreement that was made by you. So what is so difficult to just you getting to honor it, you know, to just actually help because this was something that was thought. Oh, okay, this could be a a a a a good thing to actually try and bring the developing countries and the developed countries get to a certain level when it comes to climate change to just make sure that we are all on one on one page or it may not be one page but at least to just help out the developing countries but this has not been the case unfortunately so we thought let us just push for this agenda this is something that has been there for it has not been honored for a while now so we when we try to actually push for this agenda we are really hoping that the, the countries that signed up to this can actually get on up and help the uh, developing countries to actually um, go around with adaptation and mitigation of climate change because at the end of the day the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter from which part of the world you are in climate change affects us the same because how it will affect this side uh, the implication might actually be felt in the other part like it's been sometimes like mm-hmm. when you talk about the developing countries have been affected the most sometimes they're not even maybe contributing even the most to actually you know to get where we are so it's not it, i'm not i'm it's not a blame game but i just want people to realize to say climate change is hitting everybody the same it doesn't yeah, matter where yeah. you are so the, the 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 faster or the earlier that we actually get to help those that are struggling with it, I think it may get us to a certain level whereby, okay, we can, how do we adapt to this? How do we meet to get all of us, how do yeah. we get to this point? So I think that's the point that we're really hoping that at some point. really so That take takes away.
2: me to um, just just a, a question I had for you around a letter that you guys had. So you guys had a, a letter that was, that was kind of partly written by some of the NGOs that are involved and partly written by, by some of uh, the activists as well. And maybe could you explain to people, like, what were the asks of that letter? So this was a letter that was presented to the policymakers there at, at COP, or not COP, at, at, um, at the Commonwealth at meeting. Yeah, <laughs> yes. at Chugum. Okay. And uh, yeah, what <laughs> were the just... what were some of the asks that you guys were calling for?
0: Okay, let me just put it up. So this is our letter. First of all, you can actually find it on uh World Renewal, um uh I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
2: Ren- renewalworld.org. World Renewal I think it is, yeah.
0: website, exactly. It's actually there. So hour later we had three asked. So this is we wanted to have uh, an agenda like I've been mentioning, to say the climate finance agenda when we go there, and this is what we wanted to do. We wanted we want to get to a place whereby the developed countries get to renew the trust, actually that you know, they get to renew the trust and just give the, the the developing countries what they need to get in terms of the 100 billion dollars. Uh, so in this later, when you look at this later, we even have like recommendation of this stem three. These are what we ask, and uh, we, this is like what we are hoping we would actually get. So first of all, we want to rebuild trust with climate vulnerable nations by ensuring mm-hmm. that there's full delivery of the promised $100 billion annually, including 50% for adaptation. So this this was our first ask. So we are looking at a situation, but it's not just you giving out the money, okay? But this is a pledge that you made. So can you actually just uh, um, rebuild that trust? Because obviously, you can imagine, David, let me give you like a quick example. You can imagine you are in a vulnerable state, okay? You are stuck. You need to, transportation to move from one state to the other. And somebody actually says, oh, I'll, I'll pick you up. I can actually do that. Then you keep on waiting and they never actually show up without actually even saying anything to you or anything. You can imagine how you're going to feel, how you're going to lose trust in that person. Even the next time that some they're going to come and say, I can help you out with something, it could be very difficult for you to actually get your trust. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's the trust that we want to be rebuilt. Because once that trust is rebuilt, I think it will be very easy to even move forward because when we talk about climate, uh climate change, this is not a fight for one person or one individual or one region, it is for everybody. So we need to get to that point where we are trusting each other for us to actually get to fight when it comes to climate change. And also, um, The second ask was ensure that finance reaches local communities on the front line of climate change. So this is one, I think to me, this is one thing that I pushed the most when I was a child. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I pushed this one the most. Uh, I may have even been kind of, oh, okay, I know we have three asks, but I'm like relying so much on this because we want a situation whereby even as the developing countries – Okay, when we get to the point, I know we are fighting for this, like we want this, please own Mm -hmm. up to this pledge. But when that pledge is actually, it's fulfilled, let it do the work that it is supposed to. I think this is the most important thing. Because even us, we need to be trusted. Just like we are asking to rebuild trust with the developed countries, we would also want them to actually trust us to say, okay, we have now given you, this is what we had pledged. So please, can you do what it is supposed to actually be done with so this is i mean to me this unfortunately there's um there could be a temptation of funds going where they're not supposed to sure or funds being used in a way that they're not supposed to, or they were intended for sure so, okay, you can imagine we get okay we get okay here is a the the money splits, okay, splits to the people that are supposed to receive. Then what happens next? You like this is a point where you don't forget to say there's a village that has had less rainfall and they've been fighting uh um with Uh, drought for a very long time so they need maybe they need some supplements they need uh, to diversify in terms of their farming so why don't you actually give the right people that actually deserve that money to actually do what they need to do in order to actually sustain their lives So this, to me, this is something that is really personal because I have seen situations of funds being misappropriated, being misused, mishandled and everything. Yet the people that really deserve to actually have um, to benefit from them don't even uh, get rich like it's. The, the fans only get rich at that point and the people that actually really are supposed to be of benefit to them are down there and they never get rich at some yeah. point. I don't know yeah, how, yeah. but they just hang in there like, you know, it just goes where they're not supposed to. So that was our second ask. We wanted to make sure that once we get that, let the right people, let the people that deserve actually, the people that have been affected, let be the ones to actually... Uh, you know, uh, get help because they, they they really do need the help. So they get help with this fund. That was our second ask. Then we and there was one wanted, final
2: one on green green jobs as well, right? Exactly,
0: exactly. So the final one we want to we are hoping that uh, when we get that we actually get to invest it in green jobs. Um, even especially for the young people, like even now, if I want to talk about oh we are fighting uh, uh, climate uh, change, climate change, but meanwhile, we are maybe even contributing more than it does. It's like, it's just a cycle, a cycle that is zero, like it zeroes back to to, to nothing. So if we're going to uh, um, fight climate change, we should also be in a place where whatever we are doing around us, it's not contributing to climate change. So when we actually get, we are thinking, okay, let's get to invest this in jobs because jobs are really really hard to come by like from where i am right now i know it's different places different stories but from where i am jobs are really really hard to come by so you can imagine as young people uh maybe they are uh they're empowered empowered to actually get to invest or to develop a sector that is uh, does not bring any does not contribute to any climate change. It means even as they are earning their monies, they are making their 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 sustaining their livelihoods they are also actually protecting the earth at the end of the day. I think this is what we're all fighting for. We really want a place where everyone, it's good for everyone to stay. It's a place where it's conducive for everybody, you know, and everyone can actually live without any thinking, oh, are we going to have a... floods tomorrow are we going to have droughts tomorrow you know such things so mm-hmm. i feel so these were the three asks first of all these were the three asks that we went with at uh, chogum and uh the later is still up on uh World renewal uh website and we've been asking people to sign up to it so um, yeah yeah that we can
2: we'll put the i'll put the link out uh, after the podcast uh, so people yeah, can, yeah. can sign up there as well but uh, yeah, I think the green jobs one is an interesting one because it's talking about creating that green economy because youth unemployment is so high in, in different countries try and you know, can we kill two birds with one stone, help grow the economy, but also uh, take take action on climate. So it's a really, really key one. And yeah, I mean, maybe just as we start wrapping up our conversation, like having, having been there at the event, I know you got a chance to hand over that letter to a couple of different policymakers and you're able to talk to them about the that climate agenda, and then I know you also got to uh, deliver some some media interviews as well. I think you know Zambian uh, news and a few other uh, news stations around different African countries also um, interviewed you and, and some other the activists as well. But maybe what was your what was your main highlight from the event then? What, what what was your your main sort of takeaway of yeah the main the main highlight for you?
0: Okay, the main highlight for me, David, I would say it's. Um, okay to be different? Because why I say this is that um, I think the group of activists that we had that went to Chogam if not, I keep on saying if not the only because I was not aware and I didn't see of any other. I felt like we are we were if maybe the few or the only group that actually went there with an agenda on paper and we knew what we wanted. We knew the targeted people and we knew what we wanted to actually bring out. At first, first day it was even like really overwhelming. We did like so much and we even people now got to know because some media houses were getting back to us. Like they wanted to get more updates, they wanted to get actually more interviews mm-hmm. from us mm-hmm. after talking to them the first Time. So that is a, a highlight to me is it's okay to be different as long as you know what you want and what you're doing is the right thing. So right. it would have gone either way. Us going there to say, Oh, imagine you're you're going to this is a heads of state, this is a politician, a policemaker in their country, well respected. I'm just going there, please. I just need you to look at this paper. I just need you
2: to, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it, it can it's it's something that if it goes through, yeah, well and good, but it's not something that you expect to go through. So sure. just add just that the fact that most of the um, uh, the advances we made went through was really, really, uh, it's really uh, amazing. And so today, when I look, think about it, I think it's something amazing. So to me, that's my greatest highlight. Like, you know what you do, you all know what you want to do, please go for it. It doesn't matter if nobody else is doing, but as yeah. long as you know what you want to do, yeah
2: yeah well hopefully hopefully that was a good a good learning um and yeah you feel emboldened to go to even even cop and try and try and try something different you know you never know what can happen um but yeah well done well done on on doing all that that was great and yeah just as we as we close out our chat today i wonder just just as a climate activist you know what what is the one thing that you'd like to encourage other young people around the world with uh when it comes to climate action what's what's the There's one thing you could say to another climate activist in another country to try and encourage them um, in this activism journey. What what do you think that one thing would be?
0: From one climate activist to the other from any part of the world, um, do not wait for funds. I know this is something that we want no matter what. Like money is needed for anything. So sometimes it's not the case, especially when we talk about the developing countries. You would want to do the best for your country. You would want to recycle for your country. You'd want to pick up all the plastics that are littered uh, around and just do good for your country. But you need the machinery. You need uh, uh, the manpower. You need a lot of things to just get to put that. So sometimes it may not happen uh, from the start you may not get all the resources that you need from the start so i think the best thing to do is just to start start from with whatever that you have if you have the knowledge start with that it, put it like if the knowledge is just on paper or just in your head then maybe just apply it let it be physical let it be not let people get it and say oh you know, you can, you may not be in the position of actually getting to be the one to gather up the, the bottles, the plastic and everything. But if you have that information, you can relate to the people that can actually get to manage to pick up those, physically pick up the bottles and put together. So I think the thing to do, one activist, the other, first of all, just start, start with whatever that you have. We have a lot of plans. Like in in my country, i have just gotten to realize, and this is a conversation I've had with different activists and the have actually mentioned to say, We have ideas as young people, there are lots of ideas, but the thing is, how do we do it? How do I, so I've just realized to say, I know like an idea will only be an idea unless it's implemented. So how are you going to be different from the other activists? How are you going to be different from the other person next to you? It's you doing what is in your head. The idea that you have in your head, put it down, put it, let it be physical, let us start from somewhere, because even when somebody wants to help out, they would want to see that at least there's something they could help out that is already moving, something that is already on, you know, it's already physical, so I feel as activists, especially young activists, do not despair, do not feel like you're not doing enough, just you're starting, that is all that you need. Then for those that actually may be thinking, oh, uh, you know I don't think as a young person I have better things to do as a young person I could do because maybe this is just too overwhelming I mean why should I carry the the problems of the world on me as a young person but the thing is at the end of the day we only have one planet whatever will happen today will not just affect the elderly people it will affect you the most because you there's a chance of you staying even longer on earth than somebody who is who stayed maybe 60 70 years already on, on earth so why don't you do your part why don't you you actually do one or two things that you know to say Uh, tomorrow I know my part where I'm staying won't sink in, won't sink in the ground because I at least I I recycled, I reused and I reduced on, you know, uh, just using things that may add up to uh, uh, destroying the environment. So I think take action as a young person. Be inspired as a young person if you feel like, if you've never actually thought about, you know, even getting to know more about climate change, just be inspired. Look around what's been happening. Look around how the weathers been changing and ask yourself questions why is it why are we here and what is it that i can do to help in mitigating and also just in adapting in adaptation so so i think that's that's what i can actually say. just about just take action just start with whatever you have doesn't matter where you are which part of the world just take action start start just do something just start <laughs> just do something just start <laughs> great yeah cheers
2: jessica thanks for that and um yeah i just want to thank you for, for joining us today with this podcast episode and uh yeah wish you all the best and the continued activism in, in zambia and maybe we'll check in with you again maybe at a later stage and you can give us some more updates and um but yeah until then uh thanks very much for joining us on the podcast
0: thank you so much david and thank you for the time no worries and at all thank you to everybody listening thank you <laughs> so
2: that's the end of uh, this this podcast episode do do keep an eye out for Um, some some more material coming your way we're we're hoping to get a podcast out and potentially a blog on our website talking about the climate policies of the remaining candidates in the uh, British Conservative Party race to become Prime Minister of the UK and so we're we're thinking about uh, their climate policies and which candidate might be better for climate action so do keep an eye out for that uh, material as well until now uh, we'll see
1: see you next time Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Renew Our World podcast. To learn more about the Renew Our World campaign or to hear about some of the work that our partners are doing, make sure you jump on over to our website at renewourworld.net. And if you like what you heard today, make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a podcast episode again.